where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We're back. It's me and Troy. Arit. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, not bad. We've got a classic episode of Cheers to discuss this week. It's Bar Wars. Bar Wars. Oh, yeah. I'll kick off with a fact straight off the bat. Straight in there. This aired on Rhea Pullman's 40th birthday, 31st of March, 1988. Nice. I would have just turned three. My birthday's the 29th. I was not a concept. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think my parents even knew each other at that point. (laughs) It was directed by James Burroughs and written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs. Sweet. A good episode all around. I love this. I really enjoyed this episode. It was a good one. As I say, it's a classic. Should we kick off with the cold open? Indeed. Yeah. Carla's going to the cinema with Eddie. She's just up all nice. They're going to the cinema. Cliff kind of, I say rudely, goes, aren't you worried about Eddie having affairs? Yeah. But she, she's she's adamant. She's like, no, it's the most faithful man ever. And I've got every confidence in him that they won't. And, and we're solid and we'll be fine. And then she's asked what film they're going to see. Turns out they're going to see Fatal Attraction. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a Glenn Close. Is it Glenn Close at Fatal Attraction? I'll be honest, I've not seen it. I know of it. I know it's... It's, it's the bunny boiler one, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Glenn Close, Michael Douglas, Annie Archer, and others. But yes. Basically, you don't mess with Glenn Close in, in that film. Nah. She's, she is savage. She'd do you in. So I think <laughs> uh, think Carla's taking Eddie to watch Fatal Attraction to give him a bit of a warning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A heads up. This is This is what happens should you get away with it. We'll do it. <laughs> but that's the cold open. Basically, Carla going, Eddie's not going to mess with me because I am boss. 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 Onto the main episode, and the gang are celebrating something. They're all quiet, and they're all looking at their watch, and Rebecca comes in, and she, she announces something, but no one's interested. Well, I don't care, Rebecca. Get they out. don't care. Get out of it. But she doesn't know why. Like So they're counting down. They start this big, big countdown. She's got no idea why, and she threatens to cry i think should they not tell her when that countdown kind of comes to an end it turns out that it's the anniversary of their bowling win against uh gary's bar their rival bar that's it uh, which we saw in season four episode nine from beer to eternity two years already nice what i really liked is in a I was going to say recent episode all of the episodes are quite recent in comparison to cheers episode of monsters at work uh, there's a corporate bowling contest. You know, have you ever seen Monsters at Work? No. Uh, it's like Monsters, Inc. meets The Office. Right, okay. And so it's, it's a spin-off of Monsters, Inc., basically. It's set shortly after the events of, of the first film. At one point, the main character who's kind of low-ranking in the, in the kind of corporate ladder, he's right. in this bowling team and Mike's rival, as in Mike Wachowski's, rival in the corporate bowling thing is called Gary. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Mike just goes, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and watching this episode, I was, I was just being reminded of uh, From Beer to Eternity. Just, oh, I see. Just this bowling contest against someone called Gary. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out bowling isn't the only event that they've, they've played against Gary's and lost at. Norm goes on to tell us that they've also had competitions in, I think, softball, 
touch football, an ugliest toes competition. I bet Tarantino was like, this an ugly toe competition? Oh, crikey. I mean, oh dear. <laughs> I'll be the judge. Calm down, <laughs> Quentin. <laughs> you don't need your sort of out here. <laughs> so Sam decides to make a call to Gary's bar, like a sort of ceremonial call to gloat about the win. You work out that Gary's asking for a rematch of sorts, but Sam and the boys don't want a rematch. They don't want none of that smoke. Sam and the boys. That's a great funk name, that is. <laughs> Sam and the boys. <laughs> like cool and the gang, but more cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's having none of it. Gary's got very little patience for Sam's gloat and taunt and just basically Sam calling up and going, you suck, Gary. That's, that's <laughs> it. That was the... That's it. That's the whole reason that uh, there will be an expense on their telephone bill. Yeah. In their celebration, however, though, so just before this, uh, Carla brings out the trophy uh, that they won when they beat them at bowling and does a couple of victory laps around the bar to celebrate. But after the call, the trophy goes missing and everyone's convinced that there's a spy in the bar, there's someone that's infiltrated. Ooh, there's a thief among us. There's a bit of suspicion going on, but only briefly accuse each other they then realise quite quickly that the true enemy is Gary. Mm. Or one of his associates. His underlings. That's it. Carla wants to storm Gary's bar. Cliff thinks that they might be intimidated by his uniform. <laughs> Carla wants to do all... Th- I think she wants to commit arson or something. But, um... Yeah, I heard something about fire or burning something down on several occasions from Carla. But they do agree to take Woody with them because Woody's young and sprightly and muscular. As he demonstrates really well when he falls over the bar <laughs> trying to get to Sam. <laughs> he, he tries to climb over the bar and somehow knocks his head on the lights and spills two pints. <laughs> Absolute catastrophe. Then when he arrives, he kind of high fives Sam to go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they return uh, a short time later, don't they? With trophy in hand, however, it is broken. It's a shame to see a trophy go that way. Yeah, I've I've dropped and smashed many a trophy by accident, obviously, um, and it is it is disappointing. I don't think I have enough trophies to smash. I mean, I haven't got that many. It's not like, <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's there's a handful. But uh, yeah, it's a shame to see Carla again. Says she wants to burn the place down. She wants to commit arson multiple times. She she didn't care. Let's go over to Gary's and torch the place. Come on. There's got to be a cooler way of doing this now. We got to use a little cunning. Carla loves a bit of fire, don't she? Yeah. (laughs) Spice and fire and salt. (laughs) Everything. All of it. The the key ingredients for any good barbecue. (laughs) Cliff suggests that they make Gary miserable. That suggestion is that Carla should marry him. I mean, oh, 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 whoa. You got some reach on that salt. Just (laughs) (laughs) Just shovel that over. Catapulted some salt across the bar there. (laughs) They start kind of bickering about about the best prank to play, but Frazier, he provides a voice of reason to some extent. I do not want this thing getting out of hand. If this bar becomes a high school locker room, my patronage other than the Bowery boys, will disappear. No, in this case, I'm afraid I must agree with Rebecca. Thank you, Dr. Crane. Well, it's it's not for your dollar-grubbing, you know, front office kissy face reasons, but... <laughs> it's because revenge is never the answer. You see, a potentially unending cycle of juvenile retaliation can only lead to a, well, a kind of mob mentality. 
which will ultimately result in a regrettable act. You know, we should be diplomatic about it, but then they bring up the time that he kind of went off on one when he was jilted at the altar. Oh, yeah, yeah. He spent a good half a season just being as salty as Carla, but about Diane. But Rebecca... I suppose she's trying to bring in that managerial aspect. Yeah, just level-headed, sensible voice of reason. And they don't listen to her. Nah. <laughs> but, nah, but not at all. Obviously, she wasn't there for the bowling contest and didn't know the struggles they had to get to. You weren't there, man. You, you weren't, weren't there. there. <laughs> it's not fair now, Rebecca. We got rules. <laughs> <laughs> but Diane obviously won it for them the first time round, and she's not here anymore. She went off to pastures new, California to write a book. Uh, okay, and as a result, they don't have their star bowler. So even if it was just a simple matter of a rematch, you know, there's not a, not the certainty that they'll win. No, she tries to think of Rebecca tries to think of something to to get their pride back and suggest maturity. And and then they all just act like children and, and laugh at the idea of trying to be mature. Stupid idea, Rebecca. Let's burn it. And that goes on for a little. But they do eventually go over to Gary's with, what do you call them, appeasement? A, yeah, a, a, an offering, a peace offering of champagne, I think it is. A couple of bottles of fizz. Yeah, but it's instead... Uh, yeah. It's your type of equestrian, isn't it? It's what? <laughs> it's a Trojan horse. <laughs> I see what you've done there. You yep. see what I did there. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> you what, mate? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. They've got, ooh, lovely champagne. Ooh, drink that bubbly. There you go, Gary, drink up. Glasses, glasses for everyone. Whose glasses are they, though? Well, they're supposedly Gary's because Gary says, oh, thank you, I'll serve everyone in the bar here. Lovely champagne, but it's fine dribble cristal. It's because Carla's wily and small and she must have snuck in through the ducts. Wily and small. <laughs> like a pint-sized Bruce Willis. Like, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gary kind of goes, oh, I've, I've sent over a dozen roses to the bar with an apology note and you think that all's good. Clearly it's not. It's like, you think you win at maturity, Sam? I'm going to mature even harder. <laughs> but it turns out everyone manages to spill the champagne down their front. Uh, and Gary thinks it's it's a weak response. Oh, yeah. He's like, you think that's a prank, Sam? I've got a whole avenue of hell to unleash on you. <laughs> would you say that's the end of the first act? Yeah, I would. It's established that it's now just a prank off against each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No one's safe. There are no rules. There's no rules. No one's safe. Just it's every man and woman for themselves. That's it. And so they go back to Cheers. This is when there's more paranoia because every, and this will come to a head right at the end of the episode, but every person who comes in for any reason they don't recognize, they immediately suspect. Yep. Everyone's a suspect. No one's safe. Little and Frasier come in. They talk very much about their patience. Talking shop. Yeah. Frasier really wants to just relax. It's cheers. We don't want to talk about work. Don't want to bring your, your business talk in here. You're meant to come in and unwind, not bring your stresses of work in there with you and continue them on. Nah, exactly. Frasier very much says this uh, in you know a much more eloquent, if pretentious way. 
Now, Loth, darling, let's remember our caveat. No more shop talk. It's the weekend. It's time to engage in nice, normal conversation. I'll uh, get us some drinks, will you? Why do you have this obsession with labeling everything? Normal, abnormal, weekday, weekend. Well, darling, I was only trying to create a certain... In mood. other words, control the conversation. That's rather compulsive, isn't it? Well, how anal of you to notice. <laughs> oh, the whole world's anal to you. <laughs> well, what say we uh, sleep in late tomorrow and have eggs benedict? I love you. So it's cheers, Lilith. Unwind, let your hair down. I love it when you let your hair down. And I'm like, interesting. <laughs> this line confused me. Everything's anal to you. Yeah, I was a little bit weirded out. Which is which is when he responds by offering breakfast and she says, I love you. Now, I don't know whether this was two psychiatrists talking in code for an act which is still illegal in at least five states. <laughs> it could be, mate. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> it's just going, you're a strange couple, but we'll move on. <laughs> After this, two people in, in jumpsuits show up. Yeah, boiler suits, jumpsuits, claiming to be pest control. They're there for the rat. Yeah, that, that startles everyone. You start to see a, a mass exodus of patrons from the bar. Everyone leaves, but Lilith is like, if there are rats, can you save some for me? <laughs> she has them as snacks or something, didn't she say? Well, they're used as, as lab rats for psychiatric tests. Uh, Carla says that Lilith snacks on them. Oh, that's it. Because Carla's salty. Always. Forever salty. Forever salty, we're gonna be... <laughs> I don't remember who says it, but it's something about the the rats getting into the beer and it's spoiling the beer. And Norm says he'll take his chances if they end up getting in there. <laughs> He's not shy. He'll drink a beer wherever it's from. <laughs> so they all work out that it's it's Gary that stitched them up. And the rat guys give them a card that says, love Gary. And now Rebecca's furious. Now she really wants to get him back. And we see a lot of the guys in the bar come back uh, a few moments later, having messed up a load of Gary's stuff in the bar and say, oh, they've put some itching powder in here and they've put this here and that there. Uh, and they all go to sit down at the bar claiming, you know, he won't get us. We're not stupid. We don't fall for that kind of stuff. And it turns out that all the bar stalls are considerably shorter than they were when they were last in. At least a foot shorter. I'd say probably two feet shorter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we get some, just a, a random guy off the street coming into the bar, um, just asking for a beer. And obviously everyone's on high alert now uh, and everyone's very suspicious of this guy. Uh, he essentially gets the Spanish Inquisition and decides to leave the bar after being quizzed about why he's in there, what his story is, uh, and says he'll just get a drink from the hospital instead. And Rebecca notices that everyone's just come back from kind of, you know, doing all of these dirty deeds and trying to get Gary back. Uh, and Rebecca asks if anyone remembered to grease all of the bar stalls over at Gary's. Norm addresses that he has done, and he's offered his favourite drink. Is it beer? It is beer. It is ah, beer. There you go. <laughs> you said that that uh, that guy, bit of unfortunate circumstances, his wife uh, was just in surgery at Massachusetts General. By coincidence, that's where Lilith works. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the psychiatric department. Yeah. Nice. This is when Gary comes over uh, to yeah. speak to the manager, looking for a truce. To a chorus of booze as soon as he enters. No one likes him. Uh, as opposed to the alcoholic booze. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes him. But out of, I suppose, respect one bar manager to the other, Rebecca talks to him. Decide to call it a truce. They, they talk to each other. He didn't realize that she was the manager of the place and, and actually finds her quite attractive. 
and and offers to go for a cup of coffee and and they shake hands and she agrees she agrees to go for a cup of coffee and when Sam calls her out on it and she says oh he's quite athletic and and he's good looking he's charming I wouldn't say he is no well this is we know this is the second actor to play Gowie in From Bio to Eternity it was played by uh, Joel Polis and I think Joel Polis he seemed more not sympathetic necessarily but more charismatic. There seemed to be more to him than just... A bit more depth. Yeah, there seemed to be more in the Joel Polis version than just a snide villain. Right, must, right. Mustache twirling. You know. A rat, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what Sam calls him once he's left the bar. And then more customers up and leave because they hear the word rat again. <laughs> just like earlier. After this, Rebecca goes, well, you said it's fine. You said there's a truce. We have no choice but to believe him. I'm going to go to my office. She goes to her office and it is full of sheep. You can't move for sheep. Yeah, literally can't move for sheep. Do you want me <laughs> to t- tell you a tale of a, of a prank with sheep? Please do. <laughs> in the school I grew up in and nearby schools, whenever it was students' final day at said school, there was obviously pranks that they pulled. Mm. The school couple of towns away what happened at them was because it was in scotland and people owned farms one of them brought sheep in they brought three sheep in and had painted on them the numbers one two and four right so the teachers after finding these sheep spent the rest of the day looking for the fourth sheep That's a clever one, that is. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> After the sheep have been found in the office, everyone comes to look and they think it's a really good prank. And then we see the next attempt to try and get Gary back. And Carla comes out dressed as uh, a repair person in overalls uh, and what looks like a kind of uh, a hat. Turns out that it's a full balaclava. As she pulls it down, Rebecca asks her if she's going to do anything illegal. Absolutely not. Definitely no, not. definitely nope. not, Rebecca. <laughs> we then cut to Gary's bar, and they're ready to watch the big fight, the big match on apparently the biggest screen in any bar in the area. And just as the boxing's about to get going, just as the, the bell goes, the first punch is about to be thrown, the TV cuts out, and we see Norm and Cliff sat in a chair reading some poetry. Full debonair. Got bathrobes and uh, pipes. Oh, yeah. But a bit of a sherry, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> they say uh, there's cheap drinks uh, and boxing available to watch at Cheers Bar, just round the corner. And if they mention that Gary sent you, you'll get a discount on your drinks. That's a good deal. Yeah. They start reading some poetry, and it's some long poetry. Uh, the Ballad of the Dead Ladies by right. Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Factually inaccurate. Didn't write that one. But Cliff said it, so... Allow it. <laughs> Damn it. I'd like to start with the Ballad of the Dead Ladies. Ah, an excellent choice. It's written in iambic uh, pentathlon with uh, rhyming couplets. Every couple of couplets. Tell me now, what hidden way is Lady Fly, the lovely Roland? But very much like when the pest control people came to Cheers uh, and there was a mass exodus, we get exactly the same at Gary's Bar and everyone leaves to go to Cheers. With that, it appears the Cheers gang have won, but suspicions still run high. 
Always, always. Always. And this is when we get the very special guest. So I think it's time I reel off the guest cast. B.B. Neweth as Dr. Lilith Sternen, Robert Desiderio as Gary. He also appeared in The A-Team, Hotel, Remington Steel, Hunter, The Fall Guy, Trapper John M.D., Family Ties, Knott's Landing, Murphy Brown, Matlock, Murder, She Wrote, The Sopranos, Ugly Betty, Modern Family, and many more. Remington Steel, what a program. Piers Brosnan, like pre-Bon Brosnan. Hey, that's a tongue twister. Tom Roski as Jensen. He also appeared in General Hospital, NYPD, All My Children, The Godfather Part 2, The Rockford Files, Airport 77, The Streets of San Francisco, Different Strokes, Dallas, Days of Our Lives, Knight Rider, and many more. Jensen is the, is the guy who came while his wife was in hospital. Yeah. Greg Collins as Exterminator Number 1. He also appeared in Webster, Knott's Landing, The A-Team, LA Law, Hunter, Mad About You, Full House, Family Matters, Seinfeld, Independence Day, Conair, CSI, Bruce Almighty, Jag, True Blood, Straight Outta Compton, American Crime Story, Jane the Virgin, Ratchet, and many more. So very much still going. I was going to say, still going. A lot of those are really recent, Straight Outta Compton. Ratchet was only, what, two years ago? Yeah. Phil Morris as Exterminator Number 2. He also appeared in Star Trek, the original series, Heart to Heart, Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock, Webster, It's a Living, Murder, She Wrote, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Dave's World, Melrose Place, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Diagnosis Murder, Seinfeld as Jackie Childs, Star Trek Voyager, Black Dynamite, Smallville, Blackish, Doom Patrol, and many more. So again... Recent. Doom Patrol's recent. That's DC. Black Dynamite, if you've not seen it, is absolutely hilarious. Definitely watch that. Oh, Black Dynamite, you're so righteous. Al Rosen as Al, Tim Cunningham as Tim, Steve Gianelli as Steve, Alan Coss as Alan, Philip Pullman is uncredited as Phil, but there's a very special guest this episode. Aye, there is. The special guest is as well known as their career as they are for their drinking, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. (laughs) So I think Kim and Sam would get on well. Two peas in a pod, kindred spirits. Wade Boggs as Wade Boggs, the former third baseman, played for the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. He won the 96 World Series with the Yankees, and as of recording, is the living baseball player with the highest batting average. Wow. Which is quite the claim. That's quite the record, yeah. Others who ranked higher than him are like Babe Ruth and DiMaggio, obviously deceased now. He was elected to the Red Sox Hall of Fame in 2004 and the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2005. He has portrayed versions of himself in The Simpsons, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Family Guy, among others. The Sunny episode is another classic. We see him turn up after Gary visits the bar the next day, don't we? Uh, And he shakes hands with everyone to say, well done. Yeah, because Gary is supposedly friends with him or friends with his manager or something. And he says, I was was talking to him, he was in the area and I've I've got him to come around and and sign some autographs and pop into the bar. Of course, they don't believe that. No, of course they don't. They don't believe anything he says. It's just a guy who looks like Wade Boggs. It's a Wade Boggs impersonator. So, yep, Carla's the first one to say, you know, she thinks it's going to be a prank again. They're going to get into someone that looks like him, an impersonator. And then lo and behold, Actual Wade Boggs turns up and no one believes it's him. No. And Carla goes, better steal his pants. <laughs> yeah. So we get the Spanish Inquisition again. People people kind of taking the mick and yeah, eventually gets chased out of the bar. Not not just by one or two people, but 
pretty much the entire bar. Everyone chases a fake Wade Boggs out the park, which I find strange because if you think he's not the real Wade Boggs, what are you chasing him for? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone comes back. They're all cheering, hollering, and, and, and you know, they've got his pants and they've managed to get his wallet. And so they, they take out the wallet and they start looking through it and they say, right, well, what's this imposter's real name? Oh, it's, it's Wade Boggs. Well, it's, Gary's obviously gone to a lot of effort to make these fake IDs and driving license and credit card. <laughs> Ooh, you're done wrong this time, Carl. Yeah. Then I think the realisation finally kicks in what they've actually done and who it actually was. Uh, Sam comes back into the bar and they're all a bit sheepish. And he says, oh, Wade Boggs, I, I saw him running across the road in, in his underwear, like we're in the middle of the road. <laughs> what did you do to him? Shame on you, Carla. <laughs> but they take pride in the fact that Gary may have won the pranks, but they've got something Gary doesn't have. And it's not maturity. No, never never maturity. It's, uh, it's Wade Boggs pants. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, they cheer, we're number one. To which Al gives the final line of the episode. And it's a callback to what Gary said about the fine dribble crystal, where he said, that's a pretty weenie prank. They're like, we're not going to be weenie. We'll be unweenie, anti-weenie. <laughs> Al, seeing the fact that they're celebrating, they've got Wade Boggs, Wade Boggs pants there. He walks off and just says this line. <laughs> want to know a little known i'm hesitant to say fact but uh recurring gossip about this episode okay it was widely reported that boggs agreed to appear in the episode as he had a mistress in anaheim california and so could take advantage of the free trip and two days off spring training he was given to film his role wow yep <laughs> crikey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, yeah. That you get an idea of of the kind of reputation Wade Boggs has after this. He, you know, womanizing alcoholic former baseball player. <laughs> As I said, it will get on well with Sam. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hello, Wade Boggs, with some tasty trivia. You, you're not Wade Boggs. You know, yeah, get out of it. Not. Get out. Imposter lies. You sit on a throne of lies, Wade Bucks. <laughs> What's he got for us then? Uh, he's got some letters. Trivia. Lovely. Love trivia. Always love trivia. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. First one I've got here is what was the score? Uh, between Cheers and Gary's Bar, oh, their overall score. I'd want to say it was 80-something nil, like 87 nil. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> it is 173 to 1. They did have some pretty niche events in there, like Ugliest Toes. So. Glad they didn't win that one, to be honest. <laughs> what have you got for me? How much does Lilith offer to pay per white rat? Uh, $4 per white rat. That is correct. I know that because it was one of my questions. <laughs> Seems like a good deal, that. Yeah. Frasier offers to cook Lilith what for breakfast? Eggs Benedict. Correct. 
I do like eggs, Benedict. Can't make them. <laughs> like, can't make them. Love to eat them. What pranks do Norm Cliff and the other barflies pull on Gary's? Oh, I can't remember. I remember one to do with itching powder or something. That was about it. I could pre- I'm probably wrong on that one. Uh, I'll give you a clue. There's an experimental cocktail. Right. Okay. Yeah, I've got nothing. Uh, well, the first one, to go back to the bowling theme, the dude from the Big Lebowski would be very disappointed because one of their first pranks is putting prune juice in the Kahlua. Oh, dear. Ooh. You'll oh, be... Yeah, no. <laughs> you, you'll be just... Regular. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was going to say, you, you'll have to relocate to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> just slide pints underneath the door, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a long day. <laughs> Sneezing powder in the air conditioning. Sneezing powder, that was it. I've been in a room where someone had put garlic in the air- AC before, and that was Ooh. bad enough. Ooh, yeah, wee. that's a bit much. And greasing the bar stools. I remember that one, actually, because uh, Norm took the credit for that one, didn't he? It indeed. So that's Last Call. What do you think of the episode, Troy? I loved it, mate. I want to see more. I want to see a series of Bar Wars episodes. Yeah, very good episode. Hope that they start parodying names of the Star Wars films, at which, at this point, there were only three. So they'll run out soon. Yeah. (laughs) That was your final episode for season six, Troy. It was. We'll hear you again in season seven. Yes, boy. Until then, this has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. (laughs) 